Think about this for a minute with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today, by faith in Jesus Christ, everyone can have access to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Everyone. Nothing special that needs to take place except for you to repent of your sins and be born again. Every true born-again believer has access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week through the one mediator. His name, the man, Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? You don't have to go through some system. You don't have to go through some religion. You don't have to follow all the steps. Just cry out to God through Jesus Christ, and you're there. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Well, maybe you feel as though nobody gets you or nobody knows what you're going through. Well, the truth is there is someone who sympathizes and empathizes with us. He's actually been through what we have and more. And that's Jesus Christ, our sympathetic high priest. This brings wonderful comfort to our hearts. And so we want to talk about that on today's Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor now opens Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Our Sympathetic High Priest. In our last study, we learned the power of God's Word. How God uses His Word, the Bible, as a tool that enables us to diligently enter into the rest of God. To answer any questions that we have. To establish us. To strengthen us. To instruct us. To correct us. We learned last time that the Bible is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is also a discerner of our hearts and thoughts and the intents of our heart. And it was written to a group of Jewish believers, the book of Hebrews, the reminder of the sufficiency of God's grace through Jesus Christ and the power of his word, it was written to a group of people that were being tempted away from the simplicity of the gospel. They lived their whole lives in anticipation of the coming Messiah, Savior. They lived under what is known as the Old Covenant in a religious system that God instituted known as Judaism where they would have temple worship with the incense and the sacrifice and the formalism. But they were all just shadows and pictures and types of Jesus Christ who was to come. And Jesus came. And many of the Jewish believers embraced the fullness of their relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. But over time, and we don't know exactly how long, but over time they began to drift. And they began to become dull and even hard-hearted and stiff-necked toward the things of God, and they want to go backwards, and they want to go back to Judaism. They were at a critical crossroads in their lives, tempted away from the simplicity of the gospel. And let me just say, we are all tempted in many ways to leave the simplicity of the gospel, to leave just a simple relationship with God, to know today that he loves us and we love him. 
and that he's promised to lead us and guide us and to help us. He's promised never to leave or forsake us. He's promised that anytime we open the Bible, he'll help us understand it, that, that he'll enable us, that, that he has exchanged his life and the fullness of his power for our lives and the weakness of our own sin, that he exchanged the sinless for the sinful. But there's always somebody coming along that wants to tempt you away from simplicity. There's always some new YouTube video. There's always some post on Facebook. There's some new book that comes out, some new TV show that's on that want to tempt us away from the gospel. Complicated theologies, even man-made traditions. I was reading recently, and Jesus scolded and rebuked the religious leaders of his day for doing this. He said, you know what you guys are doing? You need to stop doing this, that you're laying these heavy burdens on people, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And really what he was saying is you're becoming legalistic. You are legalistic. You are getting in the way of people worshiping me. And one, what was once so sweet and enjoyable, that intimate, life-transforming relationship with God can so quickly become rigid, ritualistic, routine, and even legalistic. The church in Ephesus experienced this. You know, we read the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, and we learn how the church there was filled with every spiritual blessing. I mean, they had everything that they needed. They had all the gifts and all the wonderful relationships. They were growing in grace, reaching their city, not unlike our own church. We lack nothing. God has given us everything in our church, all that we need by our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yet, just a few years later, in the book of Revelation, Jesus jots a little note to them, and he tells that same church that had everything, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And it's possible for all of us to be tempted away with some man-made doctrine, some man-made theology, and I think it's this battle with these temptations that really tend to rob us of our rest, especially when we take the bait. And so they were longing, this group, for the familiarity and the formalism of their worship experience back in the temple with the incense, the sacrifices, the priesthood, even the high priest, which we learn in verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now remember the overarching theme of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater. He's greater than anything that we have experienced thus far. You know, for example, with the Hebrew believers in particular, he's greater than the angels. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than Moses, greater than Abraham. On and on the list goes. And now, for those of you who have been reading ahead, from chapter 4 on through about chapter 8, we're going to learn about how Jesus is the greater or the superior high priest. That, that he is greater in every way. The preeminent one. That he alone has provided salvation for us through his death and resurrection. His ascension into heaven. That he is the true representative of man to God. That he is the great, as it says, high priest. Because there are those that would want to elevate themselves above man and even above God's word. 
Let me show you something. Would you turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5? Because I want to teach you something, and I want to show it to you in your own Bibles. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Because man cannot elevate his voice above the word of God. The voice of man is not the final authority in your life. The final authority in your life is the word of God. And so nobody can come along and say, well, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do this. And I know what the Bible says, but we're going to add this. And I know what the Bible says, but in this religious system, this is what we do. No man's voice can supersede the voice of God through his word. Are you guys with me? Can you get an amen on that? Don't allow anyone from this pulpit, from any religious system, to set themselves up as the final voice of authority in your life. Because the final voice of authority in your life is your great high priest, Jesus Christ. And nobody speaks greater or grander. Nobody changes anything in the Bible. Nobody should add anything into the Bible. And if they do, reject them. And I started thinking in my own life because I was thinking, you know, I've been teaching here for almost 19 years. And I taught back in our previous church at Calvary Chapel in Downey for probably another seven years uh, back then. And I was thinking, you know, uh, to this date, to my knowledge, I haven't taught anything false. I haven't taught any heresy. And I'm very grateful for that. I've stumbled over my words a few times and I've misstated something or misspoke or messed up a Greek definition. I've, I've made my fair share of mistakes for sure, but not some bad, weird false teaching. And let me just say, if there is ever a bad, weird, false teaching, just throw your Bibles at me. No, don't, don't do that. But don't accept it. You're to do what the Bible says. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. So there is no one that is to set themselves up as the way to God. There is no one on the planet that has been appointed by God by which you need to go through. For example, what religion does, religion sets up barriers and layers that you need to go through in order to get through God. You need to do this. You need to say this. You need to go through this. You need to go back and say these things, and then maybe God will accept you. That is not what the Bible teaches. Listen, come with me. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. So let me just, let's test ourselves how many mediators are there between God and man? Just one. Not two, not ten, not succession. When one dies, they appoint another. Only one. Let's find out his name. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is no human priest on the planet Earth today that you need to go through to get to God. There, there is no person that would set themselves up as the final authority of God's word in order for you to go through in order to get to God. Today, by faith in Jesus Christ, everyone can have access to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Everyone. Nothing special that needs to take place except for you to repent of your sins and be born again. Every true born-again believer has access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week through the one mediator, his name, the man, Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? You don't have to go through some system. You don't have to go through some religion. You don't have to follow all the steps. Just cry out to God through Jesus Christ and you're there. And so Jesus is the great high priest. Notice in verse 14, back in Hebrews, he has passed through the heavens because Jesus Christ, he is 
the one that came and lived and died and rose again. He resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven. He passed through the heavens. And in this topic of the great high priest, we're going to go through these things and I'm going to teach you these things about what the Bible has to say about the priesthood. Because today in the New Testament, the old priesthood of the old covenant has been replaced with Jesus Christ. So that now we believe in what the Bible teaches in Peter in the priesthood of all believers. That by faith in Jesus Christ, we now are able to serve God just like the priests. Because in the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Moses from Mount Sinai, God instituted the old covenant priesthood. It, it had to be, the priest had to be from the family of Aaron through the line of Levi. And we often refer that it to, we often refer to that priesthood as the Levitical priesthood or the, the Aaronic priesthood. And I'm going to explain that to you. As a matter of fact, in some of the studies, because I've been studying ahead, in some of the studies, we're going to come, I'm going to bring to you a study in Leviticus, I think, chapter 17. We're going to go through a Bible study in Leviticus in a couple of weeks, just to prove to you that you can read Leviticus and understand it, but also to explain to you the priesthood. Because we need to know and understand what the Bible has to say in, in its entirety. And so we'll be explaining more of that as this next section of Hebrews really emphasizes the role of the priesthood. We're going to meet a guy by the name of Melchizedek in chapter 5. Notice in verse 5. It says, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And he also said in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, the priesthood is not centered on Aaron, but on Jesus Christ. And so much so is Jesus a priest that the Aaronic priesthood is done away with and replaced by the new covenant high priest, Jesus Christ. So notice a couple things about this. Number one, what is his claim to priesthood? Well, notice he's, the, he's Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, the son of God. He's not referred to as the son of David because the emphasis of the authority of his priesthood is, his, is Jesus' deity, not his humanity. Remember, Jesus, he is God's son. He is God in human flesh, where he had both humanity and deity in the same time. He had two natures, God in human flesh. And here Jesus, he comes in the authority of deity. And because we have a high priest, and because he's passed through the heavens, sitting now at the right hand of the Father, because he is God in human flesh, notice, we can hold fast our confession. Don't abandon your faith. Your faithful high priest has gone before you. Your faithful high priest has gone before you. Number two, notice his closeness. Not only his claim, but his closeness. Verse 15. And this is where we'll spend the remainder of our time today in verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, your great high priest, is always near to you. He knows you. He knows our nature. He knows our frame. Jesus has endured every temptation that you have, even as even as we faced time after time again, 
the temptation this way and the temptation to go that way, the temptation towards sin. Jesus says, it says that he was tempted in all ways, in all points, but without sin. I mean, that's good news. Jesus understands what you've gone through. Remember back in the Gospel of Luke, it was Luke tells us that the devil, he, he led Jesus, into, the Holy Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness to meet the devil and the devil tempted him there. Three temptations. Basically, he faced the temptations that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And as he faced each temptation, he was able to overcome them the same way you and I overcome them in the power of the Holy Spirit. The temptations that Jesus faced were not only to show, that he, show us that he was sinless and pure, but also that he related to us in our humanity. That he would be able to sympathize with us. Do you know, it's always good to have someone in your life that can sympathize with your situation, that can understand you. You know, when you're talking to someone about a situation in life, maybe you've met them for the first time or you're sharing your testimony, and their response to you is something like, you know, I've experienced that too. Doesn't a defense go down in your heart? And you're like, wow, I've met someone that's gone through what I've gone through. And no, maybe not exactly. Because none of us really experience exactly the same things because of our makeup and our upbringing and who we are and our personalities. But in general, it's really good to have someone in our lives that can understand a little bit of what we've gone through, that can understand from personal experience. It brings a little more comfort into our lives just to know that, man, we've gone through this together and we're going through this together. Well, listen, Jesus knows you personally. He knows all that you faced. He's walked in the same broken human body that you walk in. And the Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 13, that God is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he understands how weak we are, that we're just dust. He understands. And he sympathizes with his creation. You know, it's too easy in our lives to turn the focus of our difficulties back upon ourselves. It's too easy to emphasize our own weaknesses and our own failures and our own doubts and our own anxieties, kind of inching up right to that line of self-pity and, and selfishness. And we're right there and we just, we kind of begin to see the weight and feel the weight of all the difficulties in life and then right up on the edge and say, you know, you know, woe is me and how difficult it is and I'm a victim of this and I'm struggling with that and it's just part of the, the weakness. But see, when Jesus faced those temptations, he was able to face them without sin. He was able to reveal to us that there is victory in him. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus Christ always leads us in victory? That when we're following Jesus Christ, we're walking in his victory. That his victory is already ours. That what you brought into the room today, what you're living in, the weight that are on your shoulders, the things that are in your mind, Jesus is the great high priest who sympathizes with your weakness. He's not pointing at you and judging you for your weakness. He's not pointing at you and saying, what kind of believer are you? What's your problem? But instead, he sympathizes. The word literally means to have compassion on, as we see in Psalm 103. It means to be affected by another's sufferings. And I believe Jesus even takes it one step further where not only does he sympathize, but he also empathizes. And he comes alongside of us and he encourages us along the way. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, would you? 
2 Corinthians chapter 1. We know this. No one can really sympathize with someone else unless they've been through a similar experience. I mean, we can have feelings with someone. We can come alongside them. We can point them to the Lord as we should. But it's when we have the similar experience that there's a connection that's made. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, has shared our experiences and therefore can understand the testings which we endure. As we look to the left and we look to the right, and nobody seems to understand us, as we look up and we see Jesus high and lifted up, He understands. And that brings great comfort to my heart. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of Hebrews. We're going through the epistle from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app as well. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come along beside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Maybe you've noticed there's a battle going on in your mind. Maybe it's lustful thoughts that have been plaguing you for years and you don't know what to do about it. In Winning the War in Your Mind, author Craig Rochelle reveals strategies he's discovered to change your mind and your life for the long term. God has something better for you than your old ways of thinking. It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. Request the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, when you call 877-30-GRACE. Again, our phone number, 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, we've got a lot going on this weekend at Calvary Church. What can we expect on Good Friday and Easter, and how can our listeners be a part of it all? Well, it is an exciting time this year, Larry, with Easter services, Good Friday, our Seder dinner. It's exciting because this time last year, our doors were closed for the very first time for Easter, uh, and it was very discouraging. When the COVID started and we closed uh, as a precaution uh, of what might be happening because nobody really knew, we really thought it would be done by Easter services, and it wasn't. And I mean, even now as I'm speaking, some states have more restrictions than others, and, but we, we are going to open. Um, I know that. We are going to open We're going to have Good Friday service, Mountain Time, at noon. And it's a very solemn time where we gather together at noon on Friday and we talk about the crucifixion and the scourging. And it's just a heavy, heavy service. It's not really upbeat. It's not intended to be upbeat because it describes the time that our Savior was beaten and bruised and crucified for our sins. And then for us, for our services, We're going to be gathering together, celebrating the resurrection, technically not three days later, of course, but that Saturday night, we've added services for capacity so that we can reasonably distance. Uh, So we're going to have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we add an early morning. It's our version of sunrise, but we do it indoors here at the building at 645, 845, and 1045. And for you guys in the Denver metro area, there's no reservation. Just come 
uh, as you are, come with your family. Let's celebrate the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The theme this year is undefeated, undefeated. And how can listeners join us? We do everything online through our website, calvaryco.church. You can join us online. And those in the Denver area or in Colorado, within earshot of Grace FM, we broadcast these services live on the Grace FM radio network. Uh, and then, of course, you can, if you're not in the, if you're not within the radio distance here, you can always listen online. Calvaryco.church for video and gracefm.com for audio. And we want you to be a part of this. Join us, be a part of us, part of this, pray for us. Uh, we are going to be open and we are going to welcome anyone and everyone that wants to come and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Very exciting, as last year was such a bummer. And this year, no bummer. We're going to rise to the occasion and worship together as the church in person. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. See you then. We hope you can be with us. And for those outside the area, join us online at calvaryco.church. We'll be live streaming those services. And then join us tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Hebrews. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.